on your lips when you worthily proclaim the gospel of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you that from this time on I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, said the blessing, This is my body, which will be given for you. Do this in memory of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. And yet, behold, the hand of the one who is to betray me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man indeed goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to debate among themselves, who among them would do such a deed. Then an argument broke out among them about which of them should be regarded as the greatest. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them were addressed as benefactors. But among you it shall not be so. Rather, let the greatest among you be as the youngest and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one seated at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one seated at table? I am among you as one who serves. It is you who have stood by me in my trials And I confer a kingdom on you, just as my Father has conferred one on me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But I have prayed that your own faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, You must strengthen your brothers. He said to them, Lord, I am prepared to go to prison and to die with you. But he replied, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows this day, you will deny three times that you know me. He said to them, 
When I sent you forth without a money bag or sack or sandals, were you in need of anything? But now one who has a money bag should take it, and likewise a sack, and one who does not have a sword should sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me, namely, he was counted among the wicked, and indeed what is written about me is coming to fulfillment. Then they said, Lord, look, there are two swords. But he replied, it is enough. Then going out, he went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not undergo the test. After withdrawing about a stone's throw from them, and kneeling, he prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Still not my will, but yours be done. <coughs> and to strengthen him, an angel from heaven appeared to him. He was in such agony, and he prayed so fervently that his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. When he rose from prayer and returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping from grief. He said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not undergo the test. While he was still speaking, a crowd approached, and in front was one of the twelve, a man named Judas. He went up to Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Stop! No more of this. Then he touched the servant's ear and healed him. And Jesus said to the chief priests and temple guards and elders, "I have come for him." Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? Day after day I was with you in the temple area, and you did not seize me. But this is your hour, the time for the power of darkness. My friend, I do not 
out. Just as he was saying this, the cock crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. He went out and began to weep bitterly. The men who held Jesus in custody were ridiculing and beating him. They blindfolded him and questioned him, saying, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they reviled him and said many other things against him. When day came, the council elders of the people met, both chief priests and scribes, and they brought him before their Sanhedrin. They said, If you are Christ, tell us. But he replied to them, If I tell you, you will not believe, and if I question, you will not respond. But from this time on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. They all asked, Are you then the Son of God? He replied to them, You say that I am. Then they said, Then the whole assembly of them arose and brought him before Pilate. They brought charges against him, saying, We found this man to seize our people. He opposes the man to tax Caesar and maintains the Jesus Christ king. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He said to him in reply, You say so. Pilate, then address the chief priests and the crowds. I find this man not guilty. But they were adamant and said, You decided to be able to receive the entire On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. And upon learning that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he said to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was very glad to see Jesus. He had been wanting to see him for a long time, for he had heard about him and had been hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at length, but he gave him no answer. The chief priests and scribes, meanwhile, stood by accusing him harshly. Herod and his soldiers treated him contemptuously, and mocked him. And after clothing him in his splendid guard, he sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate became friends that very day, even though they had been enemies formerly. Pilate and some of the chief priests, the rulers and the people, and said to them, You brought this man to me and accused him of inciting the people to revolt. I have conducted my investigation in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of the charges you have brought against him, nor did Herod, for he sent him back to us. So no capital crime has been committed by him. Therefore, I shall have him flogged, and then release him. But all together they shouted out, Away with this man, release Christ to us. 
Now Barabbas had been in prison for rebellion that had taken place in the city and for murder. Again Pilate addressed them, still wishing to release Jesus, but they continued their shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate addressed them a third time. What evil has this man done? I found him guilty of no capital crime. Therefore, I shall have him flogged, and then release him. With loud shouts, however, they persisted in calling for his crucifixion, and their voices prevailed. The verdict of Pilate was that the demand should be granted. So he released the man who had been in prison for rebellion and murder, for whom they asked, and he handed Jesus over to them to deal with as they wished. As they led him away, they took hold of a certain Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming in from the country. And after the laying the cross on him, they made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd of people followed Jesus, including many women who mourned and lamented him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep instead for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming when people will say, Blessed are the barren, the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. At that time people will say to the mountains, Fall upon us, and to the hills, cover us. For if these things are done when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now two others, both criminals, were led away with him to be executed. They came to the place called the skull. They crucified him and the criminals there, one on his right, the other on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They divided his garments by casting lots. The people stood by and watched. The rulers, meanwhile, sneered at him and said, He saved others, but he saved himself. He is his own one, the Christ of God. Even the soldiers jeered at him. As they approached off and won, they called out, If you are the Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the King of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God, for you are subject to the same condemnation? And indeed, we have been condemned justly. For the sentence we received corresponds to our crimes, but this man has done nothing criminal. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied to him, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon because of the eclipse of the sun. Then the veil of the temple was torn down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. 
Of all the distressing details in this extraordinary story, which we've proclaimed yet again on this Passion Sunday, there is one detail that stands out for just how awful human beings can be, how much they can serve up um, hatred and darkness and evil. And it is that moment where Jesus has already been crucified, he is close to death, he is dying, he's completely helpless on the cross. And with whatever little bit of breath he has left in him, he whispers perhaps, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And the crowd responds then with, as the Gospel of Luke says, sneering 
and jeering. The, the, the rulers of the people sneer at Jesus and they taunt him by saying things like, So, you're the Christ, you know, save yourself, get off of that cross, come on, jump down and, and show to us that you really are the Son of God, this Christ that we've been waiting for. Look at you up there, dying a miserable death. How could you be the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah? Come on, show us who you really are. If you're God, if you're the Son of God, jump down. They sneer at him. And then the soldiers pick it up and they jeer at him with much the same words. Come on, Jesus, come on down. Show us your power. Show us your divinity. And and then moments later, even one of the criminals who's crucified with him picks up the same theme and, and, and taunts Jesus in the same way. Save yourself, and while you're at it, save us too. Take us off this cross. And it's, it's just extraordinary how dark and evil and filled with malice those hearts are that are sneering and jeering and taunting Jesus in this way. And all of that is, is bad enough and hard enough to read and to hear but there's something deeper in that moment that's, that's really important as we begin this Holy Week. If you remember on the very first Sunday of the Lenten season, the first Sunday of Lent, the Gospel reading picks up after Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan River and has received from his Father his vocation, his mission, his, his great calling. And he's overwhelmed with that, of course, and he goes out to the desert to get his mind around it. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he doesn't eat or drink. And during that time, he's tempted mightily by the devil, by Satan. And the three temptations, if you remember, are all temptations against the vocation he's just received. You know, take this bread and feed yourself, you're hungry. Use your divinity to to make this stone into bread. For yourself, put yourself first. And the second one is, is, is even worse. So um, you want to save the world, then, then be king of the whole world. You know, be a worldly king. You can do it. Save the world through, through worldly means. Be a king, a worldly king. Jesus says no to that one too. And finally, he tests God's love for him. This tempter says, you know, throw yourself off the pinnacle of the temple and God won't let anything bad happen to you. And Jesus sees through it and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to absent myself from the consequences of being a human being here and now. Those three temptations against his vocation are really powerful and strong and, and extremely important in the gospel throughout the rest of the story that unfolds. And they end with this ominous note. The devil then left him for a time. Well, now with tonight's reading of the Passion, we know when that devil returned, when that time came for him to come back at Jesus. And it's right then when those crowds are sneering and jeering and taunting him. Because what they're asking him to do is the same thing Satan was asking him to do in that desert so long before. It's to take advantage of his divinity so that he doesn't have to suffer so much. It's to show forth the the godness in him so that he doesn't have to be fully human. 
that he can absent himself from at least some of the consequences of humanity and not have to suffer everything that we suffer. He can skip out on, on the worst part of humanity. To come off of that cross, save yourself. Use your divinity, Jesus, to, to, to skip a step or two. It's the same temptation, but this time far more serious. Because now it's not just an idea. It's not just a project Jesus is beginning. It is the very moment of his, of his greatest trial. And the temptation must have been extremely deep to do just that. I know I'm divine. I know I'm God's son. I know I'm the Christ. I could do it. I could jump off the cross. I could save myself and even save these two criminals with me. The temptation to not go all the way with humanity is really, really strong. And there's, there's another side to it as well, an even deeper temptation. They're taunting him and they're saying in so many words, we don't really believe that you have any special relationship to God because look at you, you're dying up there. We don't believe you're the Son of God. We don't believe there's any great love of God for you or you for God. You're nothing special, Jesus. And the temptation would have been to say, Yes, I am. Look what I can do. I can save myself. But he doesn't. He doesn't fall for it, just as he didn't fall for it in the desert all those chapters and weeks ago. Instead, he fulfills his mission, his vocation, his great calling from the Father to go all the way as a human being. To suffer all the consequences of being a human being among human beings. Even this terrible taunting while he's hanging on a cross close to breathing his last under a hot sun in the mid-afternoon. Jesus makes the choice to be a human being with us. To be a human being with us in everything. So that we can know that what he does, we can do too. Just as he forgives his worst persecutors and sneerers and taunters, so can we. Just as he chooses to make his passion and his death an act of love, so too can we. Just as he chooses to pour himself out for us to the last inch of his life, completely and fully, even to the point of death, So he teaches us, must we? Jesus, in this moment, is fully human. And it's in his humanity that he shows forth his divinity. It's in his suffering and in his pain and in his walking with us in all of our trials and our troubles and our sufferings and our persecutions and even our deaths, that he shows us the face of God. 
What does God look like? God looks like Jesus, the human being, who is dying on a cross on a hot Friday afternoon and who still has the grace and the godliness and the holiness and the love of God to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it's that humanity, that love, that grace, which ultimately proves to be his victory over the sneering and the jeering and the taunting and the blood and the cross and death itself. 